Welcome to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara, a former Cavan goalkeeper now working as a performance and wellbeing consultant. And this week, I was joined by Ashling Thompson. Ashling was a key figure on the Cork Camogie team that won four All-Irelands in the last decade. And she also lifted the O'Duffy Cup as captain in 2015. She tells us why she's still so driven to return Cork back to the promised land after back-to-back All-Ireland final defeats and describes the pain that she's been feeling since the final whistle went in this year's championship decider. As well as her many highs and lows on the field, Ashling has been open and honest in the past about mental health challenges she has faced. During this conversation, she provides so much insight into her experience with depression, anxiety and panic attacks and explains how self-awareness and emotional intelligence have positively impacted her life. This podcast is brought to you as part of Bio360, a GPA program that empowers inter-county players across four key areas, life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Ashlyn, thanks so much for joining us on the Players Voice podcast. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to having for a while. I know we've crossed paths before at different mental health events and charity events and spoken at different things. I talked to you today just kind of on the back of recently having lost an All-Ireland final and I kind of just wanted to start there with how have you been since since that game against Kilkenny and kind of what are the what are the following days like for, for a player trying to deal with a defeat like that? Um... Well, first of all, thanks a million for having me. Um, I'm delighted to sit and have a chat. But uh, yeah, I think the initial moments were probably very tough. Um, I think last year was probably a bit of shock. It, it kind of took us a while to get back to an All-Ireland final against Galway. And I think when we got over the semi-final last year, that was kind of what we were aiming for. Because, it, you know, there was a couple of years previous where we couldn't get past that point. So I think getting to Croke Park last year was probably the biggest achievement in itself. But I think um, this year, obviously, we had 110% belief that that's, that was going to be, you know, the outcome if we if we had to perform on the day. And, you know, you're never guaranteed anything in life. And I think you make your own luck. But you have to look at Kilkenny like they... We knew like coming into that final that they were going to do everything in their power to win that game because that's just the type of people that they are, you know. That's the type of athletes they are. It's the history of Kilkenny. So we knew it was never going to be an easy battle. But yeah, just I think the final whistle was probably the most heart-wrenching whistle that I've ever heard in my life, to be honest. Um, I can only compare it to probably one club loss that we had in the semi-final going back a few years. But... Yeah, it was extremely hard and I think it was even harder as well looking at the younger players on the team, you know. I think, like for them, obviously, we instill a belief, but I think how the year went on and how we've grown so close over the last two years, it was like something that, like, we really thought, you know, a dream that was going to come true for us and it didn't. And, yeah, the the, the few days, obviously, we had, we had a bit of crack and stuff, but... There was times where we'd just stop and people would be crying and, you know, you, you could be having the best time of your life or singing a song and next minute there's somebody bawling in the corner and that would set everybody else off. So it kind of just went to show too how much it meant to people. 
you know, because bridging the gap and those friendships was something that we've really tried to work on over the last couple of years. But it happened so naturally that I think that's probably why it hurt the most. Like, and when that when that whistle sounds, Ashton, like you you alluded to it there, like what's what's the immediate feeling or or thought you have in that moment? And you kind why why do you think this one hurts say more than maybe previous defeats or in previous years? Um, I will personally for myself I had the last shot of the game to draw so I think that kind of speaks for itself you know I never thought like I've always looked back I said it to the girls afterwards I've always looked back on matches like GA games or football whatever the case may be and looked back on teams that have been defeated in the final moments by a a miss you know either a free or, or in terms of play and I never thought that I would ever be in that position I guess as a player and I always felt so sorry for them so remorseful but I think just personally for me that was probably one of the hardest moments like split second decision moments like that if I had carried the ball would it have been different or if I hadn't even even going for the shot itself I knew it was the last ball maybe if that thought didn't run through my mind it probably would have went over the bar but so yeah, it's just, it's something that will probably eat at me for a long time. But I always say to the girls, there are certain moments in a game that essentially might define your career or, you know, you don't want it to let something like that define your career. Do you know what I mean? You want to move past it and and use it maybe, use it as ammunition for the next year, hopefully. But it was just, and to answer your question, that's what made it so different for me. Um, I've never obviously people are not going to say I'm responsible but you hold that responsibility you hold that accountability for a, a moment like that was that was you know the definition of of the final whistle for me anyway yeah and then like when like obviously we're we're if people like myself are at home watching the game and you know you can see it gets into those final minutes and it's frantic and there's a free goes over the bar uh, but you're like what you're saying there and if I'm hearing it correct like you're as you have the ball, like you're fully aware of the responsibility that you have, that what the shot means as you line it up, you're you're not in like a flow state or kind of just like drifting around. You're very aware at that point in the game, kind of what's on the line. Did they pick that up right? Exactly. Yeah. And and it's just that it was it was strange because usually when you're on the pitch and you're playing do you know, because people often ask, like, what's it like? Like, you must be so nervous. But once the whistle goes for me, I don't have many thoughts that run through my head, you know, during the game, unless it's game related. Like, but, you know, that was more of playing off emotion, I feel. And I just feel like if that emotion and that maybe a little bit of pressure didn't creep in, would it have went over? Like, I, I, I remember saying it to myself, like, this is the last ball, like, you know, I knew because I knew once once we had possession and it came back down the field, I knew it was the last play. And maybe if I hadn't overthought it, it would have went over, but should have, would have, could have, like, <laughs> you know. No, that's like, it's the, you've got to be in the arena to be able to take those shots. And like, even to that point, you know, like, we've all been there if you've been there as a player or you've been there as a spectator like when games are in the melting pot like that too Ashton like there's genuinely there's there's some kind of people will go looking for the ball and want it there's genuinely others who you'll have played with and I know I have that will like will take it and pop it on they can't kind of get rid of the ball quick enough because they're either not a shooter or they want to pass it on like in your head mentally around that time were you like were you actively looking to get on the ball were you comfortable taking that shot or did it kind of find its way to you and you just again you felt like you had to just kind of let, have a rip at it if, if you know what I mean 
Yeah, no, I knew, like, not, of course, if a break was going to come to me, I wanted the ball, like, um, yeah, I was just hoping that we would get a break, no matter who's on it. Um, and, yeah, once, once, I couldn't believe it actually fell out to me. I don't even know what happened in the moments leading up to that ball, but it just came loose to the side. I think there was two maybe Kilkenny players around me, so maybe I thought they were much closer than, than they were. Um, I think I just remember there was yards in front of me, but... Obviously, you know, I, I would have had the confidence to take the shot. It's just unlucky that it didn't, you know, it feared right and didn't go over. But I knew once I took it, it was wide, whereas everyone else in the crowd were like waiting, you know, in those final seconds to see. But I knew it like I turned around straight away. I knew it was gone. Like I knew that was it. And in like in, in the days since that moment, like how, how often has that moment been in your head? How many times have you replayed that or relived that? You know, is, is it something that's been like prominent in your mind? Yeah, yeah, every day, like, maybe could be anything up to five, ten times a day. Like, it just constantly runs through my head. Like, what? Even seeing, even visualizing the, the ball in my hand, even taking the shot, I still have that visualization of the moment. Like, so, and you know, like, even certain people said it to me, like you said, to have the confidence to even take the shot, like, that I should, you know, give myself more credit than what I think. But, Again, me being me, being a perfectionist, being somebody that wants to win, you know, um, it's just, it's never really going to take away the hurt, I guess, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's for sure one of the most challenging parts of, of playing elite sport when there's so much work has gone in and so much on the line and it comes down to fine, fine seconds, like little moments like that. So how... And at the end of the day, as we all know, me every time you go to see an all Ireland final, be it in football, hurling, camogie, or whatever it may be, like there, there has to be a winner, there has to be a loser. So that how like how have you been individually? I suppose since in the last couple of days or the days since, kind of with that stewing around. Um, first of all, how has that been for you? Um, well, to be fair, I've I've been lucky enough because I was actually invited up to Belfast on Thursday, so. We were obviously, you know, enjoying our time together as a team up to Thursday and then I headed off uh, to Belfast with Dara for a few days and we only got back last night and I headed down to a camp then in Adair this morning. So I've tried just to keep myself as busy as possible because I just find when, you know, when I have those moments, even if I go to the toilet, like it's just those moments where I'm on my own, that's when it starts that's when I start to think and even talking about it now I have a frog in my throat like you know it's just and and I don't mind talking about it I don't because I think in order for me to move on from it and and get something from it like you do I don't want to keep it inside either you know I do like having conversations with people because it just that's one thing that kind of helps me you know um in certain situations like certain difficult situations I suppose upstairs it kind of helps to to talk about it because when I start thinking about things that's when that's when it gets kind of the better of me you know that's when it puts me down is when I start thinking overthinking and then obviously you mentioned talking about it there Ashton like I suppose what in terms of the days afterwards with family and with friends like are they are they bringing it up are they talking about it are they trying to help you kind of not talk about it you know what's those kind of those relationships like with loved ones and with people close to you who obviously care for you and want what's best for you but it's kind of I'm sure it's a tricky situation to try and help someone navigate and to kind of pro and to process yeah well to be honest I haven't really seen many people my brother well my brother uh, was there for the night in Dublin one of my brothers um so that was kind of 
kind of the conversation done and then my other brother texts me as well he rang me as well straight away because I didn't actually get to see my family after because I just couldn't really face you know having conversations I wasn't physically able to have conversations because obviously the tears were flowing and it was you know hugely disappointing for us but as equally as disappointing for them so I wouldn't have been able to hold the conversation but like um, yeah, we're we're just the type of family anyway that we'll talk about it maybe initially or and and kind of leave it there. You know, it's something that wouldn't be repeated like again unless maybe somebody else like came in and and brought it up. But usually we leave things to bed like we don't we don't regurgitate anything. And then, what's it like being for yourself? Say is as one of the as one of the more experienced players in the panel now. Like I know. Like you made your debut back in 2006, I think it was. And so you, you've you probably played, you have four All-Irelands, two All-Stars and like with Cork. And like it's obviously played with different groups and almost they must feel like different teams in some ways compared to this one, even though you're playing for the same team. But has that, I suppose, has, has that made it any more difficult or easier that you have that ex- that experience in the past? But then you're also, you're kind of, are you carrying extra weight because you are one of the elder or like more experienced players in the group? Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's definitely two sides of the coin, you know. I feel like before, and again, the game has moved on as well. Like, I feel like the game in general is so different, like, to how it's played now as to how it was played before. I feel like even in terms of strength and conditioning and the speed of the game is completely changed, whereas before you could just go to Cork, train three days a week, never touch a gym, and it was good enough, you know. It was good enough to get over the line, whereas now you wouldn't you wouldn't make it out of the group if you didn't consider, like, strength and conditioning. But just in terms of the players then as well, yeah, I guess, like, looking back, you had, like, Rena Buckley, Breach Corkery, Jim O'Connor, Orla Cotter, you know, Annie Geary, these massive names like Jenny O'Leary, you know, and and again, it's a different generation of players too, whereas before, that's all you kind of did. There was no social media, there was no distraction, there was no, there was no criticism as such. So I think you played off the cuff, but I think it was, it came natural to players, you know, before, whereas I think with, with this generation, like confidence is a massive thing, even getting the younger players to believe that they're good enough like that's that's a job in itself too the psychology of the sport is massive now um so yeah before it was like you just kind of what could I say you just slotted in as a player um and maybe if you weren't on farm you didn't feel the pressure of it because you had somebody else there that was you know and not even one you had probably 10 players performing on the day like um so the pressure it it wasn't as big and I guess when you are a younger player too anyway, you're just, you're not expected to carry the team, especially when you've so many influential names involved and, and you know, huge sports people like, um, I just don't think it, it, there's as much pressure. But obviously as you get older, it's like as Jim O'Connor got older, I'm sure those players would have felt the same pressures too, that like, you know, there's a lot of weight here like and and if we don't perform like that's going to filter down through the rest of the team because if you're confident they're confident and and that's kind of the way I would I would look at it now I'll be honest and it's not that I don't have have confidence in the rest of the girls but um I just don't think there's as many I wouldn't say influential players but you know standout figures because 
with us, you see the fall off. There were so many of those players that retired at one time or in a very short space of time. So we kind of had to rebuild with a totally new panel. Um, and that's something that I've never been familiar with, you know, as an experienced player. Um, but to be fair to the girls, like, I think we probably don't, not that we don't give them enough credit, but I can see a lot of similarities in that older generation to the new generation. I just think the one thing that like, not that we lack, but the one thing that you need to really build on is confidence and kind of getting players to believe that, that they can be not just as good as what's gone, but be even better, you know, um, so that's it's again it's two sides of the coin but yeah I would I would feel the pressures now like and feel like you know my my performance and how I how I am seen even to the girls how I carry myself how I train um you know is is a massive part of their game like and how they perform and like you mentioned confidence a number of times there Ashton and like obviously it's like it's a desired thing that like any especially in sports but also like you know in business or in life that people want like people confidence is a, like a desirable thing but it's also in some ways like a secret sauce that there's many different ways to it and it can be like created in in different ways I suppose in terms of trying to instill that now in a group with teammates and I'm sure a management team like how how has that process been trying to instill confidence um, and kind of how have you gone about practically trying to help that process along? Well, I think it kind of, I think it definitely comes from the top down. So I think definitely how myself, like comes natural to Laura Tracy, Hannah Looney, Amy O'Connor, these players, I just think you're almost like a role model as such. Like even when these girls first came into the setup, like they, you know, they, we had this conversation last week, like they were in awe of us, you know, and they, they said it like that we've just been so influential in terms of how they approach training or how they approach a game or how they apply themselves. Like we would have been much looser, like as young ones in the group, like you know, growing up, like with the older Cork team, I'd say their hearts were broke from us. Like, whereas <laughs> these girls are just, yeah, like how they apply themselves is just phenomenal. And I've always sat back into, and, and literally just said to myself, we're so lucky to have such a group, uh, such a good group of girls, you know. Um, but in terms of how you do that, I think it's, it's just how you carry yourself. Like, I, it's not one or two things. Obviously, I try to encourage girls as much as I can and, Whenever I, I suppose I can familiar familiarize myself with players from an emotional aspect too. Like I know, looking at a girl in training, if she's not going well, I can just, I just get the sense that there could be something else going on in the background, and you know that's obviously a huge part of it too. Like in terms of confidence, so I think just reaching out to them, carrying them along. I'd be texting them, I'd be ringing them if there's any problem that they have. I always reassure to the girls that they can come to me no matter what the situation or problem is or is if there's something they don't agree with even from a management perspective I try to liaison that again in terms of performance or person personal background so I think when when they have that outlet and they have that shoulder like I think that even in itself builds confidence um, because it's very hard to come into a setup and looking at names like Laura Tracy, Hannah Looney, all these girls um, it's quite an intimidating thing to do like um, especially when we're so dependent on these young girls, like the majority of our team are are so young. 
Um, but I just I just constantly reassure them and encourage them, and I think that's that's all you can do really. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's clear from listening to you there, you know, um, how invested you are within the group from both an individual perspective, but also then from a leadership perspective and trying to drive a, a culture or, or kind of whatever, trying to drive confidence, whatever kind of words you want to associate with it. But I suppose I'm just curious as like, again, saying like having, your debut goes back to all the way to 2006 and you've mentioned loads of those names there like Breach Corkery and to have experienced that side of it. What's still driving you now to be at the forefront of that kind of that drive to get Cork back to the top table there and to do all that extra work that you just described? Like, you know, when you're the 20 year old on the panel, you can kind of get to rock up and kind of swing your whole mind your own business and do your thing. And it's like, yeah. cool, I'm heading yeah. on now with the rest <clears> of the girls. What's kind of driving you now to, to take on more? I mean, I say work in the sense, but I don't mean it in the literal sense, but more responsibility and that drive to help this team be successful. I think it's just I think it's just inevitable as to how good they are. Um, and obviously people only see it from a performance point or whenever maybe we're in our semi or final, it's on TV and it's very it's very easy for people to judge or even the handful of people that might turn up to one of our championship games. But I see this team three times a week, you know, um I see what they go through, I see the personal challenges that they face. But I also see what they do on the training pitch. Um, and we were so close this year, you know. I, I just think, and I, I guess then it comes down to too that the, the friendships and the relationships that I've built with these people. Um, and I think it just comes from within me too. Like I've always had the attitude that only when it comes to the day that I can't keep up is the day that I'm going to retire. Um, but you know, it's obviously very difficult too when you have such a good relationship with people because I, I would be clinging in that sense. Like I, I I love emotion, I love friendships, I love the value of it. Um, and for me, that was probably one of the most important things even in the last two years. I think if those relationships and friendships weren't built, would I have the same mindset? I'm not sure because it's the environment for me now um, is just as important as the sport itself. And I think just the environment itself... Uh, it's just it would be very hard to walk away from but I just I, I fully believe that when this team gets over the line sooner if not later that we'll be very hard to defeat once we once we can you know once we can get past that barrier um, and I want that for them it's not just me like there's a lot of girls on that team or panel that have never never had you know they've never had All-Ireland success at senior level and I know how much it meant to be as a young girl standing up there on the Hogan stand lifting the cup but just as much as what it meant to be amongst my friends in that moment and I want that so badly for them because that's just something that money can't buy and it's something that nobody else can ever take away from you and I, I know looking at them how badly they want it so if if it's within my power which I think it is at some point to get them over the line I'll do whatever it takes to do that like. Yeah, like in in some ways, obviously, like the we spoke earlier about the the hardship and and the pain of defeat, um, and you're you're carrying that still now because it's quite recent. But also, like within your past, you have those other the other end of the scale of the joy and the elation and the camaraderie with groups that you're able to, I suppose, experience both, but also use them in a way that keeps driving you forward. Is that kind of 
if I pick that up right, that it's kind of combining in a way there to drive you forward? Yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, sport is kind of, it's like something that you just chase, like you chase that feeling. I think it's like anything mm. else in terms of addiction. You just, you just chase it. Like, um, and I think, you know, a lot of people would even ask, like, how could you go back after all that work? And, defeated by such a fine margin and you know even in my own head you think after like we have to do this all over again like what a long road that it's going to be but again when when I put myself in that mind frame and when I'm on that training pitch when I'm amongst that group like it's I don't ever want to be anywhere else and it's it's not even about results at that point it's just what else not not what else would I be doing with my life but I don't think there's anything else that can give me that that feeling like I don't think there's anything else in life that would be able to give me that feeling. Yeah, and it sounds like it's helping you with a sense of certainly purpose towards the athletic part of, of your life and the sporting part, but also in ways, it's is it adding to who you are as a person in terms of that structure on your life and being around like-minded people and having those kind of softer benefits of being engaged and being competing at that level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always find, you know, in the off season, the most difficult and, and Dara would actually be the same. Like, and I think it's just having that structure. Like, I'd be honest in telling you that I'm terrified of when I do retire. Like, I, I do want to have, you know, I want to make sure that there is something. And it's, it's a big part of sport. Like, after you retire, like, what are you going to do next? Um, and it's something that does scare me. But... Again, I'm sure I'll come up with something, but just to go back to your question, like it's, yeah, like it's, it's the structure, it's those connections with people. It, it kind of keeps me, keeps me in line, I guess, you know, it keeps me in line. It keeps me going and the benefits that come from it. But also I just feel like I have such a purpose in life when I'm playing the sport, but not only for me, but like sport gives my family as well such a purpose. I, I said it before in an interview um, that like the purpose in particular that it gives my family and, and what it does for them is just, it's priceless. Like, you know, and again, it's not something that I like to carry as weight. It's, it's just like, it's a proud feeling for me like that I can actually give them such, such emotion and, and such a good feeling. And, you know, even when they're down or whatever, it's like they might see then that Cork are winning or I'm doing something good. I think it just keeps everyone going in the family in general. Like, so it serves a purpose both for me and, and, and everybody else. Like, Yeah. And I know you spoke, like you've spoken previously, which we'll come to in a couple minutes, kind of how much sport has helped you at different aspects or at different times of your life and in different, different aspects of your life, Ashen. But so when you said there, like the idea of when you finish up and I mean, you're obviously you're into your 30s now so I mean that day is not like super far away it mightn't be this year next year the year after that but it's it's within like you know um unless you go all Tom Brady on it and you're still playing when you're close to 50 but um I hope so you said there that it, like it terrifies you or that it scares you what what do you mean by that like what is what drives that kind of sense of fear or that feeling when you when you think about the idea of sport finishing up or not being actively part of that like community or that support network yeah, well, it even, you know, again, I just get a taste of a kind of in the off season, like just not having that structure. I think not having those moments with like-minded people, um, just being around 
something that you're striving to achieve I know you can look at it from a from a, like a work point of view and that as well but I think it's just I don't know like I, I would get anxiety and things like that as well and and obviously training is a massive part of that I know you can go to the gym and it helps with anxiety but more so for me it's being around people and you know aiming for for something that we're we're trying to achieve I think just the the feeling that that gives me and the security as such that it gives me is something that I'm afraid that I will lose when I do retire like will will it creep more into my mental health you know trying to let that go it's it's like without sport and I I would never want to be in that position but I often think like without sport like what would I do like what what is will make me happy like what will keep my anxiety in check like will I ever fall into depression again like you know I naturally I think you have those fears as a person because I do get a taste for it in the off season and like that idea of sport finishing up or not being part of your life I suppose like if I could rewind the clock, like when you were younger, I think it was in 2009, like sport ultimately was taken away from you for a period after you'd been involved in a car accident. And is that kind of tied up in obviously that, I suppose that car, when that accident happens where like your identity is challenged and sport is removed, is it is it tied in any way to that, that, you know, your experience of when you didn't have sport as part of your life, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah, I guess so. I think naturally trauma is something that never really leaves. Like, um, no, I wouldn't say that obviously the car accident might have led to certain things, but even looking at it now, years later, even after these interviews that I've done, I've still learned a lot. I've gained a lot of personal experience and, and looking at these situations in a different light. Um, I think it was more, more to do with, well, Again, obviously it led to it, but the people that I kind of had surrounded myself with and certain scenarios and situations that I ended up in um, inevitably led to those led to those times. So I do think that it wouldn't be the biggest factor, but obviously it's always going to be in the back of my mind. But again, I kind of have those life skills moving on that I know that I'm I'm def like I'm always gonna revolve myself around good people and something that I I have a keen eye for now in terms of you know when I do see see danger or something negative I always stray from it because I know I know what helps me and I know what's good for me like in terms of people and and things that I surround myself with so I think back then it was a huge part of it to be honest and I think it's what led to led to that depression and life experience I guess um, I definitely have more more life skills than what I ever thought I could have you know at this moment in time What are those life skills Ashton that you say you have now that help you mind your well-being look after yourself and that maybe help you fall or help you avoid spells of depression or help you cope with low mood or adversity what are those skills that you have now that help that maybe you didn't have when depression first entered your life or first kind of challenged you as a person mm. well I think I'm very I've had certain conversations with people you know different people that would be close to me or even different people that would be involved in a psychology aspect or mental health that are linked to GA um, and they've always said that I have an extremely high emotional barrier but I'm very self-aware as well um, I'm very aware in terms of my emotions and 
like let's say even I, I used to get like panic attacks and things like that but now I I know when it's coming on and whereas before I would have had a fight or flight kind of attitude towards it and try and push it off whereas now I know how to kind of how to handle myself in those moments um again I think it's just different triggers what I surround myself with um different places maybe that I might end up in even on nights out in terms of you know drinking or anything like that I know my limits um yeah again I think it's just it's maybe in terms of my preparation even if I'm talking about about nights out I just know how to identify my triggers I would say um and again in the off season it kind of I don't think anxiety like anxiety has always been a huge part of my life but I don't know I think it just comes down to self-awareness it's very hard to explain in words to be honest but I just know my emotions and I know what triggers them and I know when to pick up the phone like it's very easy for people to say to talk to someone but I think it's equally as hard if not more difficult to actually pick up the phone and I think that in itself is a life skill um, and I'll always do it if I feel a panic attack coming on I'll ring my brother's fiance and she's always the first call she doesn't even notice like that she's the first call when I'm having a panic attack and she mightn't even know that I'm having one um, but that's like one of the things that I'll do if I feel it coming on or if I have anxiety like I'll text someone or ring them or distract myself um, just things simple things like that like I know you mightn't even call them life skills as such but I think just being so in touch with my emotions probably has helped me an awful lot like whereas before I would have tried and pushed those emotions away like yeah I totally like just as I'm listening to you there like I totally hear a, a greater sense of self-awareness in a way that's kind of from what you've described like it lets you recognize and understand either what you're thinking or feeling in the moment but also then it's helping you choose better actions at, at like in real time whereas maybe earlier in the journey sometimes like you react in a, in a negative way or a different way or or you a trigger kind of sends you in a different direction but it sounds like it's just that it's been a constant process of trying to understand that relationship between like your thoughts, yeah. feelings and your actions. And I suppose, I don't know if I'm oversimplifying that, but I'm just kind of trying to recap a little bit for listeners or what I've found there. Cause I think sometimes we can kind of gloss over self-awareness and say, oh, it's, is it a life skill? Is it not? But I think it's a hugely important life skill. I think it's a hugely important um, mental skill that doesn't just happen overnight. Like you don't read a book and then wake up and say, Hey, I'm self-aware or listen to a podcast and self-awareness. It's, it's a lot of trial and error and in, 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 in good and bad decisions or good and bad actions that you have to reflect and learn on. Yeah. And it gives you like a greater understanding, I think, too, of how to understand a person. Like before, if something, if something happened and somebody didn't have my back, like I'd be like, I would never do that, you know, and I would always try and compare that person to myself. Whereas now I sit back and I'm like, not everybody is the same as you. Not everybody, you know, has had the same traumas or experiences. So you have to kind of, you have to dissect people and you have to dissect situations. And I think I'm at a point now, 32 years later on, where, you know, I'm at a good place in terms of how to how to deal with those those emotions and situations. Like, and I'm very grateful, you know, for for certain experiences that might have been might have been fairly traumatic but I don't think you know I'd be in in a position now to to even speak about self-awareness or emotions like only only for like you know 
and then I suppose in terms of where you're, where you're at now and then say you, you, you've talked about there of feeling that sense of if it's anxiety building within you um, and I suppose what are, for someone maybe that's listening that's never experienced a panic attack or someone who doesn't know what that might be like, what kind of, what is that, what's that feeling, what's the feeling you feel you feel building up kind of immediately um, and then obviously you're saying you, you're able to call someone that kind of can help snap you out of that like I'm sure in previous in life you weren't able to do that and then the thing just spiraled or went kind of deeper but if you could try and help us understand a little bit kind of what that feeling's like um, and then and even how hard it is then to kind of to navigate it or to pivot out of it or to choose that action that gets you out of that that swirl so like I think just the mind is kind of scary because it's so powerful you know Um. And sometimes I feel like I wish I didn't know myself so well because I think even the thoughts of, you know, when I know what's happening in particular, I say it's obviously equally as scary when you don't know what's happening. But um, I would just, I don't know, it's just my heart. I just, I think you just think the worst in that situation. Like anytime I get a panic attack, I think I'm going to die of a heart attack. Like it's just the first thing that comes to mind. Um and like my hands start sweating but my just heart goes through the roof um and then obviously I'd lose like like my chest I wouldn't be able to breathe my chest would close so I think that's another thing too it's like um a claustrophobia kind of a feeling so my my windpipe would close and I feel like I can't breathe and then I think no no I'm actually dying now I'm gonna have a heart attack like um and then after it's crazy it's like the adrenaline then you start shaking you go freezing um eventually it does die down but it's more I, I usually make the call when I feel the sudden onset so usually it builds it will always build I don't just get it out of anywhere and um, once or twice it happened to me driving where it just it happened out of nowhere and that was kind of scary um but or, or else like if I'm in the car like I'll drive us drive to the nearest shop where I know there's people so like in my head I know if something happens to me like that I'm safe I know it's a crazy thing to say, but I just think the worst in that moment that like I'm going to die or I'm going to pass out or I'm going to have a heart attack. Like, and all these thoughts start rushing back to my head like that. No, this is it. No, this is it for me. Oh, it's it's a terrible. It's it's awful. I wouldn't wish it on my own worst enemy. But again, I have control. I haven't had a panic attack and I don't know how long since I've been able to control them and like know my triggers, know when to act, like to ring someone straight away because all it is is a distraction. That's all you need is a complete distraction. <clears throat> I think like Brezzy talks about, I heard before that if he feels a panic attack coming on, he'll just get up and start running. He'll just get up and run. I heard that somewhere in the middle of the night, even if it is, he'll just get up and run because it's just a distraction. Um, and that's kind of what I try to do straight away if I feel something coming on. But again, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing I learned too is not to fight it either. When you pick up the phone and, and distract yourself, you're not fighting it. You're just trying to distract yourself like it's different. Because whereas I think if you try and stop it from happening, that's when it goes to the worst point. So it's like an anxiety attack. Like once there's somebody with me, um, I feel safe and I'll just let the anxiety attack happen and eventually it stops. But I think when I start to fight it, that's when it goes out of control. Like you just need to accept it's happening and move on. That's how I deal with it anyway.
And thank you for that, because I mean, there's so much there, and I, I can only like can only imagine in terms of the emotional swirl that takes you on, and it takes a lot of courage to recap it like that. And I, I really appreciate you being so so open and honest and vulnerable about that. And I suppose what what I'm actually thinking about is like you, you're able to. Fortunately, you're talking to to me at the moment in terms of being further down the path where you can navigate that. And just because you can navigate it still doesn't mean it's a barrel of laughs. It's still a shit show yeah. to go through and you've got to like, yeah, you know, yeah, you can accept it and you can breathe and you can concentrate on the next thing and all that. And it's all super helpful, but it still doesn't take away that it can be draining, that it can be stressful. Oh, yeah. Um, it has suppose- a massive impact on my daily life, like, you know, even training. It would have a huge impact on it. For someone, if someone's listening now, Ashton, that maybe is experiencing those is experiencing high anxiety or, or high panic attacks and is there and I'm, I'm conscious I'm not just asking you for like you know like what piece of advice would you give them but I suppose if you could pass on kind of, and you've already shared your experience there which I think is just extremely helpful but I do feel like there's, there will be a lot there will people will, will listen to this them that experience varying varying degrees of anxiety of depression of stress um of panic attacks and I suppose if, if there is something you could pass on or you, or you did want to share with them, what what might that be? I just think for myself anyway, personally, it's like probably the worst thing I have, you know, like I look at people every day who are suffering or who are sick, who are ill. And again, I know it's a cliche, but like, and my anxiety, you know, I kind of appreciate it in some ways that like it has just taught me so much about myself um, how I deal with certain situations and, and I understand kind of where it's came from too, you know, where that trauma has kind of, where it has come from. Um, but I just think like it's nothing to be ashamed of and, and there's always something, like mine was 10 times worse, like going back a couple of years ago. Like I never even thought I would be to this point where I can actually control it in in in, in small parts. Like, um, and I just think like, it's sometimes I find it even when I talk to people about it or certain situations or scenarios I kind of find it intriguing like in ways like I find it very interesting and how you can even kind of connect with other people in terms of their experience with it um I wouldn't say that obviously it's something that I'd wish on anyone but you're like the one thing is that you're not alone in it you know I think everybody in the country has some form of anxiety um or is going through something mentally like that's no secret but I just think like that there's always something to benefit or gain from something negative, no matter what it is, even if it is anxiety or going back to sport, if you lose an all and fine, like there's always something to gain or benefit from it. And it will always get better. Like once you put the time in and you make the effort, you know, I think there's always, there's always room for growth. Like, um, but there's always like, there's always people a lot worse out there than yourself like and having anxiety to me is probably a lot smaller now in my head it's a huge thing but looking at it from the outside it's a lot smaller than the problems and the situations that other people go through you know in this country and in life in general so I think I'm very fortunate in ways that it isn't it isn't something worse that I'm I'm having to deal with but at the same time like you're not alone like you never will be and it's not something that's going to kill you like no matter how bad the panic attack or anxiety 
is in that moment the attack like it's not going to kill you and that's probably the best advice I took from I don't know who was it a doctor or a friend maybe that like you cannot die from a panic attack you cannot die from anxiety and that's probably something that I try to reiterate in my head when I am in that moment and it kind of gives me comfort in ways um, it's hard to advise on it but yeah that's kind of what I'd what I'd like to instill in, in a no I I totally appreciate that and for sure like the questions like that it's never like <laughs> looking for a right or wrong answer because it's ultimately you're living through your lived experience of it and how anxiety manifests in one person can be different to another person and what response or what kind of what action you take that works for you might not work for someone else um but I do think it's always so beneficial and so important just to to share um if it's sharing your solution because while that might not be the the fix for someone else it just it does help reinforce that hey as you as you kind of alluded to there there is a way through this there is a path out of this there is things that can help um and i suppose like to that point like i know i, I was reading a previous article that you did ash and i think it was with the sun independent but one of the quotes just that jumped out at me was that you'd said that you knew you'd lost yourself like at a time early in your life and Obviously, I'm not coming out now just to dig through kind of everything that was happening around then. But I suppose it's, it's such a strong statement to say, like, you know, you felt like you had lost yourself. And what I was curious about or what, and kind of what I would put to you in terms of a question would be, what helped you to, to find yourself and to rebuild your, yourself coming through? Like we've talked about depression, anxiety, panic attacks, you've mentioned trauma. Like what was what helped you kind of put those pieces back together and, and get moving forward again? Um, I think initially it was just recognizing that what I was doing and the people that I was surrounded with and the situations that I put myself in was inevitably my downfall. Um, and it took obviously a very long time to identify that. Um, so basically I just went back to my roots, kind of surrounding myself with good people Um I just think when you lose yourself, you you just have you have a decision to make. Like you know, are you are you just going to fall into this hole, or are you just going to try and get back out of it? But for me, it was just again surrounding myself with good people, going back to training, focusing on things that made me happy, um, and naturally I kind of did that. But I felt like I had no choice because you know again I got myself in such a deep dark place that like. I was just done with that. I think you come to a point anyway where you're just done with it, like, um, and yeah, I just, I just, again, surrounding myself with good people, like training, sport, sport was obviously inevitably the the main the main factor there, like, in just going back to my family too, like there was times where I didn't talk to people that I used to talk to even my best of friends they try and help me or tell me I was doing something wrong and I just completely turned my back on people. And I think it was going back to those people. Like they, that's the thing. The beauty of it too is those people will always be there for you, no matter what you go through in life, good or bad. And they're the people that mattered the most. And and for me, it was my family, like and and my best friends and my relations or my sport. Like that was that was the time to you know where things started to come back to normal a bit. And one of the things. I suppose I'm curious what your experience is. I know when you're in a dark place or when people are going through difficult times and you can kind of withdraw or you can you can isolate yourself or like you said there, people will try and help and you turn your back on them or tell them to 
to go away politely or not so politely at different times. Um, but I suppose because you, as you find the courage to kind of open up to those people and to be more authentic and I suppose to let people into either, I suppose, A, what you're dealing with, but then B, kind of what you're trying to, what you're trying to achieve or move forward with. Did, did it surprise you then and in some ways that it, rather than maybe breaking down or challenging those relationships that in time it may have strengthened them or, or helped them to be um, better friends, better family, better whatever the relationship was. But did you find that to be the case that if you if you opened up and gave a little more that the relationship may have strengthened? Absolutely. Um, and I think when people like, obviously you're on one side of it, like you can only see it from your point of view, but I think looking at it from the other side or if I see somebody else struggling, I think when you when you lose a friend or you lose somebody, you know, to a different life or whatever the case may be, like if that was me looking at myself, like, um, and if you had lost that person, like my family and my friends probably thought that they would have lost me forever because I'd either end up never the same again or dead like one or the other. So... I think it's like losing a child. It's like a child being kidnapped, but you find them in time. And especially when it took so long too, like it took maybe four years or more to actually get me back to being myself and obviously better. Um, so I think for them, that was a massive relief. Like that was a huge relief. And I think that in turn naturally like builds relationships so much better it's the same as personal experience when you go through something so difficult and you come out the other side of it you're actually twice if not 10 times as strong as what you were before that like if I was to look back at myself in those times I wouldn't even recognize myself you know and that the person that I am today and I feel like that's the same thing as happens to relationships is when you watch somebody going through something so toxic that could have ended up you know, being very serious or losing that person. I think you never want to lose them again. And the fear of losing them builds those relationships, you know, and, and now, and, and again, for, for me, then obviously as a person, it just shows me like how, how much that I was wrong, you know, that like, I always thought these people are against me, like, you know, they'll stray or they don't have my back. Like I couldn't have been more wrong and you grow so much of more of an appreciation and respect for those people. Yeah. And like, so you say there, like, if you have to look back at yourself, you may not recognize yourself. And I suppose what, to who you are today, the person talking to me and having this conversation that we're having, Ashling, rather than describing the person that you are, what are the what are the biggest differences in those two people that you would be most proud of or that have, I suppose, the changes that you've ultimately made in your life because you're here and you're talking about it now? What are those changes or differences that you'd be most proud of? Um, I think the first one would be able to like control my aggression. Like I've always been a very soft person deep down, but I think my first offence is attack, especially back then, like my first offence was always attack. Um, and I think I can control that a lot better than I used to. Um, and I think like just having an understanding too of where people are coming from or certain situations or um, just having that, that control, um, being able to control myself. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned and 
I guess being able to understand having an understanding for people too like um I think just being able to emotionally connect myself with someone and understand what they're going through or how they're feeling that obviously comes from personal experience but that's why I'm so grateful for it because when you can identify with a human something they've gone through and they mightn't even have to have have to open their mouth you know where you can read maybe something that might be going on in their head or even being able to connect with somebody on an emotional level like that is something that I'm great very grateful for and is that like that kind of process or I suppose as you increase your self-awareness and, and sense of self then that it then also heightens your emotional intelligence for for the people around you and that I suppose, A, you can try to be a better person for yourself first and foremost, but then it also gives you a capability or a capacity to be a better friend or partner or daughter or sister or whatever exactly. it may be to other people too. Have I picked that up right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think that's it too. Like, naturally, as a teenager, you think your parents are against you, like, but... Um, you know, we've all been through... We've all been through tough things, like, in our lives and you know so of my parents and I think just even having an understanding for them I think everyone sees their parents differently like um but I think having that relationship and even being able to confide in them as much as they can confide in me like usually I'm the first port of call when it comes to anything to do with my parents or my siblings and I think even having that responsibility I you know I really do enjoy it and I feel I feel honored that like I'm in that position. I'm I'm the youngest, you see, of of three, three siblings uh, or two siblings, and uh, my mum and dad. But like, if they're ever in any trouble, like I'm usually the first phone call, and you know, it's a great feeling that that you know they have that much trust. Or again, we wouldn't be big on emotions or or expressing them, but when things go wrong, um, inevitably, like you see you see like how much you mean to them like as a person and as a daughter or sister I guess and I suppose like you mentioned when things go go wrong there and I think it, it is always important to acknowledge when be it at an individual level when someone's on a journey of of recovery or trying to process well-being challenges that there's there's usually significant ups and downs and even you said earlier it might have taken five years in terms of you rebuilding yourself like that's not a or sorry, four years, but like that's very rarely a four year of an upward trajectory. You know, there's a lot of spikes in there and peaks and troughs and highs and lows. And oh yeah, I suppose what I, what I was going to ask you about was I suppose that journey that you have been on, um, and then like a couple of years ago when there was an incident on a night out, and I suppose from it beco- that incident becomes a court case, and there was no criminal charges, but I suppose one of the things that was different for you in terms of everybody, a lot of other people was that all of a sudden became a front page newspaper article and it was covered in the in national media. I suppose reflecting back on that now, kind of a couple of years in the in the rearview mirror, like what's, how difficult of a, of a time was that and, and how challenging was that period of time in your life? I've been through a few things in my life, but I would say it was probably the worst thing that I've ever experienced, like personally, emotionally, whatever way you want to put it, like it was definitely the toughest, toughest experience I've had to endure, like, um, in my life. And it's so hard to even put into words. Now I know it feels, well, to me, it it still replays, like even, you know, I talk to certain people about it and they say, geez, you know, people have forgotten about that. Like, whereas 
obviously for me it's something that's never going to be forgotten but yeah it was a but what broke my heart I guess the most was my family having to endure it you know as much as I had to because I think when they read something in the media or they pick up a paper or walk into a shop or it's topic of conversation when they meet someone or else people are avoiding them um, to me that was probably the biggest heartbreak you say there you feel like it's the most difficult thing or most challenging that you've had to overcome what what like what made that so so difficult for you I just felt like you see you know going back to 2009 and kind of that teenage those teenage years and those difficult moments I thought that was probably the worst thing that would my family would have to endure um when it came to me and I guess like the years after that especially with club and county and sport and all that were so successful that I felt like I was repaying those dues like all along and obviously being you know a person that was pretty much like very out there in social media and I built a good platform for myself and I would have been respected highly um around the country and I think it was the disappointment um that I felt within myself and I felt like I had just taken all that good away from my family and what I represented and what we represented as a whole like um and I felt like I just destroyed that reputation um yeah so it was it just felt like my whole world had fallen apart like in a split second yeah like how I suppose my first question back at you is that kind of harsh that kind of harsh view of that it was all just removed and taken away do you still feel that way no because I do in certain ways but like then again when I go back to being so prominent on social media and public figure and all that kind of crack like I actually gained a lot of my anxiety and kind of PTSD or whatever you want to call it through being a public figure like initially in in my career when it was happening I never took much notice of it because I didn't really pay attention to social media um but I think as the years went on and you know I started to worry more about maybe Instagram or Twitter rather than focusing on my sport and my training and I think so like obviously after that time in 2018 I completely um came off social media like I took down my Instagram all that kind of stuff all my social pages were gone and it was probably the best thing that I've ever done for myself um and I felt you know like again social media to me is an addiction for some people and it probably became an addiction as such for me and at the end of the day it was it was it was what I was making a living off too like not to say that I ever opened up to make a living like sure initially I said it never bothered me I never read anything I never looked at anything but obviously I got a lot of opportunities along the way um and I think eventually it became an addiction where I felt like I had to do it because I was first of all I was earning a living on off it but at the same time I felt like that was probably my identity too as a person like without social media what am I like I'm a nobody without social media do you know and that's that's I actually saw a documentary there recently on it too like is there's a lot of people that have ended up you know committing suicide and things like that because followers are just so important to them you know it's the be all and end all it's your identity as a human so without that platform nobody knows you who are you um and I wouldn't say I'd go that far in to that 
to that extent but <clears throat> obviously social media was a huge part of me like um and I think the relief even even when the girls let's say before the all Ireland final some of them deleted apps or deleted deleted social media so they wouldn't see certain things about the game and the relief that they felt you know being away from that being away from people having such an open platform to criticize you and make comments and things like that you know the difference that that made to me was just unbelievable and I'd never go back like I could go back now and go on Instagram now obviously being a personal trainer from a business point of view like that's probably the only way that I would but I'd be even scared enough not to share personal things but you're just always open to criticism you know and and you're open to critics like on social media and that's probably a scary thought but we're four years on now from the incident so I do feel a lot more comfortable in myself again but obviously that took a lot of time to get to this point yeah totally and I suppose like if I was to ask you who you are now and kind of how you view yourself and so you mentioned there, if I was an influencer, and you said about doing it for work, so I presume that was like ambassadorial stuff and sponsorship kind of stuff. Um, for chunks of your life, you've been a camogie player and an athlete. If I was to ask you that same question now, kind of sitting here, having talked to me for an hour about the the highs and lows and the ups and downs of, of your life, like how do you view and look upon yourself now? I don't know again I just feel like I've so much more of an understanding of who I am like and what I represent and even what life is about and and certain emotions even me being in a relationship like such a such a different but I different feeling because I think for six or seven years I just had such a wall and and it probably crept back to that time in 2009 where you know I kept a lot of people out like and kept a lot of people at a distance whereas now you know, I feel like I'm a lot more open, like um, a lot more approachable. Uh, so just a greater understanding on on life outside of a screen. You know, I just appreciate life so much more. I appreciate people so much more. Even even going into work and like the, a lot of our clients would be elderly too, like that use the pool and stuff and they come in and the conversations we have about sport and matches and like that's their life you know and I feel like I add so much to that even if it's as much as a small conversation for five minutes you add so much to their life and I think I just I've just so much more of an appreciation for people and kind of what you do for them and your role as a human is a lot more wider than you think like your role as an athlete you mean so much more to kids and adults than you could ever believe um and just for me to have that understanding that like they can come to me and have a conversation or they feel a certain way about about me like I think that just gives me so much so much pride in myself that I had probably lost before and again you just think that the whole world is against you but you soon come to find out that they're not but just having the ability to not be behind a screen and, and have an actual one-to-one conversation with someone has made such a such a difference to my life like just being more approachable and more open I guess to relationships yeah and it also sounds like those those experiences I suppose both on the field and off the field have also while you've reflected on them to grow your self-awareness and understanding of yourself, it does sound like too that it's also given you a greater sense of perspective um, for in your life. And I suppose, is that is that something you, 
you're appreciative i mean I, I think i think i know the answer already but i suppose so even if i change it like how has that benefited your life now in terms of being happier on a on a day-to-day basis trying to have better sport life balance how has that perspective and that self-awareness helped you i think just having a perspective in general just having a whole again when you just go through these different experiences it always gives you a new perspective but I think it's just an extremely healthy one I have now you know um it's like I'm just so fortunate to be in the position that I'm in and again without without those things happening like I would never have that come to that realization like um I think it's completely transformed me as a person um and yeah that's that's a tough question now but uh, I don't know I just think inevitably like just having a perspective on those situations and just a better understanding of why they happened how they happened but how that they bettered me too um just has obviously had a, a big impact on on I guess just life life now at the moment and I think kind of as a as we just look to wrap this up Ashton like I think just even just as I'm reflecting on what we've talked about today like I think you're someone who has experienced extreme highs I think of you like lifting an all-iron trophy in the Hogan stand like the celebrations on the pitch um getting to celebrate those with families and hugs and tears of joy and then also hugs and tears of, of sadness and of grief and of trauma um and different things that you've experienced like you really have just even we were only talking for an hour and you've covered so much and I honestly just obviously want to just thank you so much for that for that honesty because I know it's going to relate to so many people in different ways I suppose my last question for you would just be taking kind of all those learnings and all that perspective and the and just the life lessons that you've been so so gracious to share with us today if you could go back in time to that sense of your 16 year old self who was sitting there um not knowing what's ahead of her not knowing what she's got to go through um what would if you could what what would you like to to chat with her about if you got to have a cup of coffee or the the a cup or a cup of tea to and, and to kind of try steer in the right direction what would you say i just don't think there's anything that i would change because I've often even thought about that myself is if I was to go back, like what would I do different or where would I like to be? But again, I just feel like I was born to be on this roller coaster and it's going to end up somewhere great. Like I really do. Um, and that's probably the advice kind of in what I've just said is like, no matter the highs and lows, like there's always something great that will come of it. And I've always said that. And sometimes I've said it without even understanding what I mean. But again, I have a greater understanding now than I ever could. That like life is so difficult, like it's so hard. That's probably the one thing I would say that is life is very, very difficult. And it's so, so hard. But the things that you learn about yourself as a human is and life lessons and things like that is just something that... I've came to appreciate so much even the experiences I appreciate them so much and like life is what you make it at the end of the day like we can all go through tough times and and traumatic experiences I've been lucky not to have some of them um you know but at the end of the day it's, it's what you make of it like for me even the last one in 2018 and where I am now like I I just couldn't couldn't have it any better 
you know, I couldn't be in, in a greater position that I wanted to be even physically, you know, in terms of my performance as an athlete, like I've worked my ass off for the last two years to be in the position that I am and I know for sure that I'm only going to get better but that's just the attitude I have in life that like anything that knocks you down like life is a roller coaster but don't let it defeat you like because the only person that's going to defeat you is yourself nobody else no substance or thing or person or media or anyone can defeat you um, and I think that's the most important thing to know like that when people kick you when you're down like they're only kicking you because they know how powerful that you are as a human. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned is just live life. It's never going to be easy for anyone, but you make it. I think that's the that's the perfect note to wrap up on, Ashton. So from my perspective, I just want to say thank you for, for sharing and talking to us today about everything you have. Best of luck with everything in the future. And I'm also just very grateful to have got to have this conversation with you today. So Ashton Thompson, thank you. Thanks a million. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. The Players Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. To listen to previous episodes with leading inter-county GA players like Patrick Horgan and Ashling Maloney, make sure to subscribe by searching The Players Voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer. And while there, You'd really be helping us out if you rated or reviewed the show. My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, please go to www.realtalks.e or find me on Twitter and Instagram at AOMTheCat. And please don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's Bio360 program by visiting bio360.gaelicplayers.com. Thanks for listening.